Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Daria Politin, who is the showrunner as well as author of the original book of Devil in Ohio. And I wanted to start by talking about the way in which you've you've told this story, which is based on true events, and you had access to have conversations early on, it sounds like, in, in developing the novel with one of the centralized characters um, that, that is in the book, the character of Jules. Um, but at the same time, you really gave yourself that creative freedom in terms of fictionalizing the way that you told this story um and then I was interested in developing a tv show off the back of that how that also even just further opened up a lot of the space and the ways in which you feel you were able to tell this story episodically with having that real foundational root of truth but giving yourself the creative freedom narratively yeah that's a great question so um the Initial seeds of the story came from a true story that our producer Rachel Miller heard that actually took place in Ohio. And she told me this story and I thought that is fabulous. I have to tell this story. <clears throat> and um, so I took the idea of that and fictionalized it in order to free myself up creatively. The, uh, the book was told mostly, you know, it was in the YA space young adult space. And we told it through the, the point of view of Jules, the teenage daughter. So we really get to get in inside her head. It's very interior. It's a coming of age story. Um, you know, she's trying to find who she is. Meanwhile, this, this girl comes in around her age, who has this sort of, you know, enigmatic magnetism and, um, and Jules becomes very enthralled with her. And they end up, you know, becoming very close and then so close that Jules starts to feel like she's being edged out by this girl. And you get that sort of single white female vibes um, in, in, in the book. Um, and so moving into the series, it was a wonderful way to keep that and build on it. We don't lose, you know, any of that, but we get to break it open and crack open the world. And I was also really interested after writing the book creatively, you know, moving to series, I was really interested in looking at Suzanne, the mother, the psychiatrist's mother, and, 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 and trying to, you know, and digging deeper into why she takes this girl home, you know, what happened to her that she feels so connected with this girl and um, how far will she go to protect this young woman in her own home, even when her own family is starting to unravel. So for me, the question of the series was really looking at Suzanne as our protagonist and looking at how far, you know, she would go to protect this young woman. We still, of course, keep that intrigue and mystery of May, you know, wondering, is she a force for good or is she a force for evil? And uh, that is a question that we ask up until the very last moments of the show. <laughs> And with what you're talking about there in terms of, you know, shifting the perspective and the way that you're bringing us into the story for an episodic telling of it, um, I imagine that there was an element of kind of 
having to not be precious about your own work. And it's, it's such a fascinating exercise in terms of that, you know, and you've written for screen in television, film, theater, novels, um, but it's such a unique exercise to go to one of your novels and then to adapt it into an episodic telling. And so how did you approach revisiting your own material and going through and making choices like you did of, okay, well, if we shift the perspective of the central store, story and how we're coming into it you know and just some of the other details like you said it's very interior in the book so I'm sure that there were things that you would have loved to include that just didn't really translate over to the screen in the way you would have loved a hundred percent so on the plus side I had spent so much time with these characters I lived inside some of their heads I knew what the house looked like you know I'd done a lot of that um, in-depth character work um, and, you know, starting to dig into their psychology and their language and all of that. So that was great. And, 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 you know, the overarching, you know, idea of the, the story, the thrust of the story um, of the book as well. That was our jumping off point because as you said, you know, certain things translate to a different medium and certain things don't. And, you know, what makes an exciting a book isn't the same as what makes an exciting TV show. So I brought my, you know, TV brain and I've been writing TV shows for a while now and, um, and, and got to bring that sort of lens to the storytelling. Um, and, and also just, you know, the, the book was in the YA space, but the, but the series is a, you know, adult and, you know, all inclusive, um, or, or, you know, uh, mature, mature teens and above. Um, but, um, so because of that, then we get to lean into Suzanne's marriage and her relationship with her husband and look at her husband who's trying to make ends meet and protect his family. And then we also have the detective Lopez storyline, um, you know, as he's sleuthing around Damon town and trying to find out what's going on there. And, you know, he ends up being a little bit of a partner with Suzanne on figuring out that, you know, what's happening and what happened to me and what. It's going to happen. Um, so we really got to break open the world there, which was really fun. And when you do that, the characters and story take on a life of their own. You have to be willing to go with where they lead you and, um, and find what those ultimate conclusions are and, and learn about them um, as you go, you know, so um, I had a wonderful writer's room and um, especially my uh, other uh, executive producer, Andrew Wilder, who, you know, I, I really leaned on to like kick the tires with me, you know, and really like, do we let this go? Do we keep this, you know, and I really kick the tires on everything because if I don't, then somebody else will, <laughs> and I won't be able to do anything about it. So <laughs> I'm very rigorous, you know, as rigorous as I can be with my storytelling. And, you know, in TV, you really learn not to be precious about things. It, there are, there are a lot of, there, there are a lot of creative cooks in the kitchen, um, and, you know, overall. And then, um, once you get into the different elements of it, you have production and, you know, you, you didn't think it would, you didn't imagine it would be raining, you know, for a scene, but it's raining. And so the scene it's raining in the scene, you know, like you can't 
do anything about it. And so you have to just kind of go with the flow of it. I really do. You know, there's that saying that you write a script three times, you write it on the page, you write it when you're filming it and you write it in editing. And I think that's really true is, um, you know, I come from playwriting and, uh, you know, put everything on the page that you can and give it, you know, I try to give as much as I can to the actors and give them as much detail and depth and um, three-dimensionality and emotionality and all, you know, everything that I can give them um, on this document to send them off on their journey of continuing to, the passing the baton, you know, of continuing to create the character. And, um, but then they're going to inhabit it and, and, and every, you know, way an actor inhabits a role is just going to bring on its own um, tone and specificity in a way that's, um, that's really wonderful and special. And, you know, Emily, I, I actually went to college with Emily Deschanel and we studied theater together at Boston University. So, um, so we knew each other and we had, we had been in a play together, you know, before and we were friends. Um, and um, so it was really, you know, I gave her as much information as I could. And then she also, you know, brought her own elements to the character and, you know, came up with some other details about her past that we actually worked into the show. So it was a collaborative um, space that I try to set up, you know, with the with the actors and, um, you know, Gerardo Chalasco came in to play Detective Lopez. He's El Salvadoran. I said, let's make the character, you know, from El Salvador, you know, like, do you want to do that? And he was like, yes. And so, you know, we got to really like tailor, uh, you know, work together with, um, with all the different, you know, people involved in, in making, um, the show. And then, and then, you know, going back to your original question, when you get to editing, you have what you have. And if you didn't get that shot, you didn't get that shot. And you have to sort of rethink, you know, if something doesn't work, like you have to kill your darlings, you know, you have to figure out a way around it. Um, you know, you can certainly fix certain things. You can ADR, you can put music in, you know, you, that you can, you know, change the tone of a scene. Like there, there's, the possibilities are really infinite um, in editing. I like to actually think of it as writing in, well, some, it's almost in 4D, right? Cause there's time, uh, but you're, you're writing sort of in this, like with, with this 3D world, you're, you're recreating um, um, the, the, the scene. And um, so, uh, so yeah, so it's, so it's a matter of like coming in with, vision and history and ideas, and then also being open to what the show, the life that the show takes on of its own and confident enough in the story that it, it will, it will, it will evolve and it will tell us what it, what it wants to be. And sometimes it's not exactly what, what you think or what you had in mind and it can, um, surprise you. Um, so it was a really exciting process. You know, I've adapted other people's work and to adapt, um, my own, um, work was really, uh, such a treat. So I look forward to doing it again, <laughs> creating more IP so I can <laughs> adapt it again. <laughs> I love that. And, and you were bringing up 
within that as well, the the different narrative threads that exist in and the different almost styles of storytelling that exist within the show, you know, and they really coexist and interlace so successfully. And you've got that detective element, you've got family interpersonal drama, you know, there's the kind of thriller and suspense element of the unknown with May's story and where she comes from as we get to know a little bit more about that. And so how did you approach telling a story which is interlacing and weaving together these different styles of story making, but in a way that ultimately needs to feel very cohesive in the way it did? Yeah, I mean, that was one, that was the creative challenge of the show is to have these different elements and worlds and still some and and still sync them together, you know, honestly, on a very technical level, um, on the page when I wrote it, I would write the pre-lap sounds and, um, you know, the cuts of it, it didn't always translate to production to through the edit, but like in 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 executing it on the page, I you know created these transitions from scene to scene. Um, bird squawking turns into uh, uh, student chatter at the high school. You know, um, now again that didn't always end up. In, in what you see on the screen, but the idea that we, that these worlds were connected, even if they felt um, like, uh, like different um, worlds, but, you know, we tried to, um, you know, music, sound, we paid a lot of attention to sound, you know, sometimes in an uncomfortable moment with jewels, a locker slams, right? It's like that little jolt of, or egg cracks, right? We tried to kind of, use some of, of, of those um, um, other elements to carry through um, the vibe. Uh, e- even if the scene was about something else, we're, we're, we're trying to um, bring in those juxtapositions. Um, you know, there's also a scene with Suzanne and May and they're in a, a, a diner and they're kind of getting to some darker you know conversation but there you kind of hear the tinkle of like the song on the the loudspeaker on the radio you know like and it's just a little like unsettling so I find those really interesting those those um those juxtapositions so um it was really fun to be able to play with them you know on the page but and, and then again in 3d with all of our with all of our elements in um taking what we had from production and, and then post-production. And in going back to something that you were saying earlier with the character of May, that you're kind of playing that element of what are her intentions right up until the end of the final episode of the season. Um, you know, I wanted to talk as well about the way in which you give us information and kind of where you delineate it. Okay, we need to give the audience a little bit more, but maybe we still need to hold this piece of information back because, you know, if we if we go back to the beginning of her arc at the beginning, we don't even know her name. She hasn't said a single word. Then we get a, you know, it's like, then we see the marking on the back. Then we get a little bit of detail. And then, you know, you take us physically to the location of where she comes from. So we start to see little glimpses and little elements from outsider's eyes. We see little inside moments. Um, and I thought it did such a great job at really giving you enough to kind of keep you getting more information, but never giving you too much that you feel like you know it all early on. Um, and so was that something that in the script writing process, you felt like you really had a clear idea of, or was it something that like you were saying with 
the fact that you're writing it again in production and writing it again in editing that you were always finessing a little bit? I think we were fairly clear on the page. I mean, I actually might, you know, we wrote all the episodes before we started filming. That was very important to me to, and we, we, we the way that this, the, the structure of the um, writer's room and then production, um, we, that's how it worked out. But I was very, I wanted to get it as solid, solid, solid on the page as we possibly could, because once you get into production, and, and everything's moving around like this show is such a it's like an eight part movie you know it's it, everything's really woven there's little pieces there's easter eggs there's little threads of things tiny little details that come back you may or may not notice but they're there and they'll come back later so um so it was important to me to really craft the storytelling as much as possible on the page before even going into shooting. So I do think that the flow of information stayed pretty much the same. Um, uh, I, I, the, the way that I looked at it was in terms of information was seeing it through mostly Suzanne's eyes and kind of learning with her. Sometimes there are things we learn with Jules, and then sometimes there are things we, we learn with Detective Lopez, but overall we're looking at it through Suzanne's point of view. And so we're kind of getting the pieces that she gets, you know, in that amount of time. Um, it's a fairly condensed timeline. I mean, it's about a spans you know a couple of months like september to um november um so uh you know we just wanted to we wanted it to feel kind of natural a lot of things a lot of times you're watching something that's very hyper you know realistic and things are happening very quickly and unraveling very quickly and sometimes they do but sometimes in life they, they are more of a slower burn and you're not sure and you get some information and you live with it a little bit. And then you're like, wait, that was kind of weird, you know, like processing kind of. So we, we, we tried to, you know, it's, it's a, it's a grounded drama with psychological thriller suspense elements, but it's a, you know, we tried to aim for the, the sort of realistic grounded drama first and um, the other elements come as they naturally in that story of flow out. That's so interesting. And, and in terms of the dynamic between May and Suzanne, um, you know, again, it's, we don't necessarily know the details of the, of the trauma in her past that's driving Suzanne into making this decision at the beginning. But even when we don't know the why, we still understand that there's this necessary drive and there's this kind of like emotional connectivity and something that she sees in her. And even just from the detailing, from the way that she keeps looking at the scar on her wrist, we know there's something there. We see very early on, okay, this is someone who just has a real need to try and save other people in a certain way. And that clearly comes from somewhere. And so how did you approach making sure that the audience always understood this decision, even as it starts to have adverse effects on her family, even before we get the detailing of, of some of the childhood trauma that really is the reason that drives this? Well, we it was very important to us <clears throat> even, even before Emily became involved, you know, just as writers to protect Suzanne and her character and 
make it make sense from her point of view. Um, and that, so that was really important to us. Actually, you know, she does everything by the book. Like she is a, uh, an emergency foster care provider. Like she doesn't do anything, you know, she, everything's legal, everything's, you know, it, it's not common and it's, you know, possibly, you know, considered unethical by her, her colleagues, but, you know, on the other hand, she's hel- helping this poor girl that they're going to, you know, ship to, put in the the city and, you know, they, you know, she could end up on the streets and, you know, so um, it was really important to us to, to, to um, really ground her decision-making and, and also, you know, you don't, you know, in real life, you don't know everybody's history and trauma and people can be making decisions and you, you, are confident that they feel strongly about those decisions and you don't know exactly where it's coming from, but you know, it's coming from a place that, um, matters, uh, a lot to them. So I think that's, um, you know, we're along for the ride. We know there's something in Suzanne and, and we start to get, you know, more detail about it. And it's also interesting because it's, part of Suzanne's past that she herself has tried to, you know, put to bed and she doesn't really want to deal with. And um, this is not spoiler territory, like spoilery per se, but, you know, there's a piece of her, even when she's having, you know, conversations in later episodes with somebody like there's still a piece for it that she just doesn't share and she keeps for herself. That's really, um, um, you know, impactful and haunting and upsetting for her. So even though she's done the work as, uh, you know, professionally to, um, be where she is in her career, like there's still parts of ourselves that we, um, we don't want to deal with. And it's, you know, that, that gap in the unconscious, the difference between who you are and who you think you are. And that's the real monster, right? Because that's the blind spot. And that's the thing that, um, that, that, that causes you to make decisions that, people are like, what, what, you know, why'd she do that? You know, but it's very real for her and she doesn't, she's not fully conscious of why she's doing it. So um, that is really fascinating to me psychologically. And it's something that um, I think everybody understands, you know, whether they recognize those elements, um, unconscious elements within themselves or can see them in other people. It's always easier to see them in other people. (laughs) Um, but it's really fascinating in terms of a character for me. Um, and, um, was really, really, um, gratifying to explore dramatically. Absolutely. And, and I did also want to talk about the visual elements of, of how you, thought about the way in which you wanted to conceptualize 
what this cult looks like and you know there's some very distinctive visual aspects that come into that like the the raven costume and you know kind of like the use of feathers or even just separately the the kind of tree area where may does offerings you know the use of the white flowers and so was that also kind of going back to some of the original research that you'd done for the book were there certain things that you carried through that were from that initial research and conversations that you'd had the opportunity to have or how did you think about visually what would represent this best on screen yeah that's a great question um you know in the book i mean what we kept from the book was the uh, number of album this sort of um you know little house on the prairie type of town as much as we could um the some other elements which i won't say um but in approaching this series we you know cult territory is well covered in and entertainment and and it's 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 a fascinating topic you know because i i for me it's um you know, it comes from a, an evolutionary instinct to be a part of a tribe and, you know, historically being a part of a tribe helped people survive in the wild. And it provided emotional connection, sense of belonging, community. Um, and so uh, it's a very exploitable human, easily exploitable human instinct um, that I think is sort of deep in our DNA to, to want to belong and be a part of something. So um, um, taking the core of that, um, we, my writer's room and I studied all kinds of cults, religions, read books, did interviews, watched documentaries. We just absorbed as much as we possibly could. And then we crafted our own unique um, uh community, you know, drawing on some of these real things, but so it feels grounded and real, but is completely fictional and our own. Um, and that was really important to me to create something really bespoke and really special and unique and weird. Um, we wrote, you know, whole documents about the cult and their backstory and where they came from. And we gave those to our department heads, our costume designer designed the costumes with those in mind and our, um, yeah, our, our production designer um, work. I worked very closely with, you know, and like, what is the look of this place? Like what kind of lights do they have? You know, do they have uh, 20 of the same lamps did they buy a batch of lamps in the 1960s and now they have another batch from the 90s like we really thought through everything in in really great detail um even the color of the um some of the some of the dress that some people wear there may mentions to jewels in a scene about um dye dying fabric that you can make colors out of uh dying out of plants, you know, and, and she knows about, you know, plant medicine. And um, so we really tried to um, create something that, that everyone um, creatively could, could build off of. Uh, we worked with our composer who wrote that, our, our, our hymn that we 
play through, you know, throughout the season at different moments. And, um, you know, we gave him some of our language of the cult and uh, we wrote part of our cult's Bible, uh, the book of covenants, and we wrote passages and we wrote stories. So it comes out in the way that the characters um, talk and, and their points of view. But, you know, we're not always like referring to it explicitly, but it's there for us to build on. So it feels real and it feels like there's there's depth to the storytelling um, there. We also worked with, um, we had a couple of incredible um, um, musical artists. Bishop Briggs did our um, main title song and we talked with her about the show. And again, we gave them language about the ideology and she wrote a stunning um, song. We're actually releasing an album uh, with some of the original music from the show, which will come out uh, the same day as the show. So I'm very, very excited um, to be able to share that with people. And also another song is on there by um, Isabella Summers, who's the machine of Florence and the Machine. And she wrote a stunning song, um, which we use in our last episode. So, but again, everything, we just worked with the artists really, um, hand in hand um, to create something that felt unified and um, real and bespoke. I mean, I, I love how many details were, were going into each of these things that we see on screen in terms of visuals and in terms of the story. And I think that's why the story kind of works the way that it does in the series. So congratulations on everything with it. And thank you so much for talking about it. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you.